Good morning, Slate Church, or afternoon, or night, whenever you're watching this, we're just so glad that you've chosen to join us. Uh, my name is Brandon Richardson. I'm one of the lead pastors here alongside my wife, Emma, and we pastor alongside Luke and Victoria Betger. And we're just so glad uh, that you would join us today. Uh, coming up, we've got an incredible time of worship. We encourage you to lean in. Uh, we've got some great announcements for you. Uh, even a, a recap of something that we did as a church recently, which is really exciting and a great message coming at you. I wanna remind you that if you've never filled out a connect group, uh, a connect card uh, to do that now, and uh, you can find that either linked in the description uh, beside us if you're watching live or linked in the description below if you're watching on demand on YouTube. And we would love to connect with you. And so uh, just right now, I'd love for you to tune in. Uh, why don't you turn up the volume on your screen or your stereo system, whatever it is, and engage in worship uh, right now as we lean in and worship our God. News I reflect, I found perspective. They're in the best and worst days of this life. You were always on my side. You're in the pain, you're in the promise. And on the days the furnace fights my faith. You're the fourth within the flames. I don't need to know what the future is. If my past could talk, it would tell me this My God isn't finished yet If we did it before, He can do it again So I trust Him in what comes next He's the God I know is known for faithfulness My hindsight says I can trust Him with what's next God I know is known for faithfulness More ahead than what's behind me Cause through the highs and lows and in between God you go ahead of me And where you call me I will follow And if the water falls beneath my feet can you pull me from the deep? I don't need to know what the future says Cause if the past could talk, it would tell me this My God isn't finished yet If He did it before, He can do it again So I trust Him in what comes next From the God I know is known for faithfulness when my hindsight sends, I can trust Him with what's next. Will the God I know is known for faithfulness? Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't need to know what the future says. If the past could talk, it would tell me this My God isn't finished yet If He did it before, He can do it again So I trust Him with what comes next 
Cause my hindsight says I can count on this My God isn't finished yet If he did it before, he can do it again So I trust him in what comes next For a minute, 
your presence as I pour out your praise. Come, Holy Spirit, Lord, have your way as I worship your majesty. I worship your holy name, Jesus, my worship your majesty, I worship your holy name, Jesus my everything, all that I am is yours. This is our Open the heavens, fling wide the gates, flood every heart with mercy. Pour out your presence, inhabit our praise as we cry, holy, holy. Open the heavens, fling wide the gates, flood every heart with mercy. Pour out your presence, inhabit our praise as we cry, holy, holy. Open the heavens, fling wide the gates, flood every heart with mercy. Pour out your presence, inhabit our praise as we cry, holy, holy.
come now in power, cover this land like you've done it before. Would you do it again? Oh Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. A move of your spirit, heaven break out. Come now in power and cover this land like you've done it before. Would you do it again? Would you do it again? Amen. What an incredible time of worship that was. And thank you to our entire team that puts in all that effort uh, to bring just incredible worship that we get to engage with every single Sunday. Right now, we're gonna transition into praying for the needs that exist within our church. Every single week, we have people in our church submitting prayer requests that they would like prayer for. And uh, we pray for these every Thursday morning from 6.30 to 7.30 at our online prayer meetings. We're doing those over Zoom and you can find the link at slatechurch.com slash prayer and join along with us over there. The invite is open to anybody watching right now. We would love to have you. There's a lot of people that pray, uh, upwards of 80 people every single week. And so we'd love to invite you into that, uh, praying for the needs that we're about to read right now. I wanna read out just a few of the needs that came in over this past week. Of course, God knows all the needs. But today we are praying for someone uh, in our church who's trying to uh, uh, fix their sleep schedule during this time, that they wouldn't stay up at night worrying about the future. I love that, taking our worry to God. We're praying that we can all grow in this season in our relationships with Jesus and come to peace with our current circumstances. We're praying for someone's grandma who's living on her own in England, that she wouldn't feel sad or lonely and that she'd remain healthy during this time. We're also praying for the battle that's going on in someone's mind. We're praying for someone suffering from mental health issues and domestic violence. And a reminder, reminder to, to reach out, if that's you, to the help that's um, available to you during this time. That's not something that you should actually be going on, uh, going through alone. Um, we'll actually link some resources to you in, in the description right now. We're praying for someone that has gone through a bad breakup uh, uh, where they were emotionally and mentally abused. We're praying for the racial injustice that happened with Ahmed Aubrey in Georgia. Hey, lots of um, really deep prayer requests coming in over this past week. And as a church, we know that our God is a big God and he's able to intervene in any situation. And so why don't we uh, bow our heads right now? And if you feel comfortable, why don't you reach a hand out to the screen to symbolically uh, uh, come alongside in prayer right now. And if you have a prayer request of your own and you didn't have a chance to submit this, why don't you, uh, why don't you reach out your other hand as we begin to pray? God, we thank you that you hear our requests. God, the things that we're going through right now aren't only COVID related, but they're the byproducts of COVID as well. God, a lot of us were struggling with mental uh, health issues. God, a lot of us were, uh, were struggling with uh, what the future is gonna look like as we go through this. For some of us, God, um, there's context that existed before we came into this season, and it almost seems like they're being ignored with this greater thing that's going on. God, we know that whether the issue is big or small in our minds, it matters to you. And so right now, God, we lift up all the prayer requests in our church and the ones represented in homes all across Canada and even the world right now as people tune in. And we lift them up in your hands and trust you with them because God, we know you are a big and great God. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, listen, we're going to read out some praise reports and a reminder that you can submit prayer requests and praise reports at slatechurch.com slash prayer. And we would love to be praying alongside you. We'd also love to be celebrating alongside you. As much as we have a lot of prayer requests in this time as people, uh, we want to make sure that we're turning back and thanking God. Today, somebody is thankful after submitting a prayer request last week for their health that they're finally feeling way better. I love that. Uh, I, lo I love that prayer, uh, praise report. Someone else is thankful that a Connect Group member's mom came back with negative results from her MRI. Amazing. God is, uh, someone is thanking God for the amazing time they get to spend with their family during this pandemic. Someone is thankful for an amazing church that helps them keep their uh, eyes fixed on God. I'm thankful for this amazing church that helps me keep my eyes fixed on God. Someone is thankful for the opportunity to continue work during this season. Someone is thankful for wise parents who exemplify what it looks like to live with generosity. Someone is thankful for the extreme way their life has changed since coming to Slate Church. Hey, what an incredible praise reports that have come in over this past week. We celebrate alongside you. And of course, there are so many more that we couldn't read out today, but we want you to know that we are celebrating with you. Right now, why don't we just take a moment to uh, say hi to somebody around us. If you're in a room all by yourself watching this, that doesn't mean that you're alone. Why don't you take out your phone or open up your email or maybe your fax machine and uh, send somebody a, you know, a nice message, letting them know that you're thinking about them, praying about them. Maybe this past week you knew and you felt the, the Spirit's inclination to actually reach out and, and do a Zoom call with somebody this week. Why don't you set that up right now uh, and let people know that we're standing with them. Just because we have to be physically distant during this season does not mean that we have to be relationally uh, re relationally distant in this season. We can actually maintain that through this season. So right now, send a text, say a hi, give a hug if you are uh, in the family of that person. Um, and uh, let's make sure people know that they're not alone today. A warm greeting from us at Slate Church. We're going to turn it around, uh, turn it over rather, to Victoria as she encourages us in our giving. Hey church, I'm excited to encourage us when it comes to our giving today. And to do that, I just first off want to remind you that sometimes we can think that it's easier to give when we have more. But we actually get to choose to cultivate a heart of generosity with what we have today. Whether you think that's a lot or whether that's a little, we get to choose to have this heart of generosity today. In Matthew 19, we read about a rich young man that comes to Jesus asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus tells him to follow the commandments and the young man says that he's done this his whole entire life and asks again what it is that he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus looks at this young man and he's able to actually pinpoint and see the root issue that this young man was struggling with, which was a love of money. So Jesus tells him something quite radical, that he needs to sell all of his possessions and come and follow him. We read in verse 22 that the young man walks away sad because he had great wealth. His love for money was greater than his desire for eternity. We actually see all throughout the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about generosity. And the reason that, we, we, that the Bible does that is actually, generosity is an antidote to greed. 
When it comes to cultivating this heart of generosity, we actually get to, to do a heart check to make sure that we are controlling our money. Our money is not controlling us. We are not, uh, our love for money is not greater than our desire for eternity. So I just wanna encourage you today to cultivate this heart of generosity, whatever it is that you have in your hand today. God has not asked us to give us anything that is not in our hands. So what do you have in your hand today? Uh, there's lots of different ways that you can give. It's gonna come up here on the screen in just a little bit. But we just wanna thank you for your generosity and your faithfulness. We are an incredibly generous church and we are so thankful for this heart of generosity. Why don't we pray for our giving today? God, I thank you so much for, for all the blessings in our life, God. I thank you that we are blessed to be a blessing. We thank you for these resources that you have entrusted us to steward, God. I just pray that we will uh, cultivate this heart of generosity, remembering uh, who the source of our, our blessings actually are, God, that it's all because of you, Jesus. So I just pray over our giving today that you will bless it, that you will multiply it, and that it will be uh, able to just help us to go and reach even further with the good news of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Pastor Victoria, for that incredible uh, encouragement in our giving during the season. We're thankful for a very generous church. And really, I mean, because of your generosity and continued generosity, we've actually been able to do some really cool stuff as a church. In fact, uh, we were able to, just this past week, donate $4,000 worth of masks to long care health facilities. Uh, we wanna show you just a quick highlight of what that looked like as our, as our teams practice their own uh, safety in handing out these masks to long-term healthcare facilities in our city. Hey Slate Church, I'm Jeff Brubaker and this is my wife Sharon Brubaker. We are the ministry leads for City Impact. Been able to uh, put together a, a very generous donation of face shields to contribute to the healthcare workers in during this COVID-19 situation. As you know, part of our mission as a church is to be contributors, not consumers. Thank you for your donations and for your generosity. are making an impact on our city. Thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. Wasn't that incredible? We are so thankful for our City Impact team. And again, we are so thankful for your generosity. You know, as a church, we have a saying that we like to follow, especially when it comes to our serving as a church. Remember, as a church we serve, and we all have a personal responsibilities, uh, responsibility as followers of Jesus to also serve people around us, apart from what the church is doing itself. But we have a saying that, that says, uh, aim for the pain. And right now, in a season that we're going through as a world, there's a lot of pain. And one of the things that we realized is that we wanted to help the most vulnerable during the season. And we realized that over 50% of the deaths uh, that have happened in the season as a result of COVID have actually happened to seniors and those in long-term uh, care facilities. And so it was our heart to make sure that we would get uh, the most vulnerable some extra PPE. We contacted all these different uh, 
seniors homes and long-term residents and asked what is it that you need and once we understood the need we decided to donate towards that and so again thank you for your generosity that enabled that and we're going to continue to look for areas as we have been doing we haven't announced everything that we've done during the season uh, but we're going to continue to do that during the season you know we have something coming up on may 23rd on may 23rd from 11 to 12 we're doing a zoom call with our kingdom carriers this is a group of people that sees things like what we did with city impact and they go you know what we want to make sure those kind of things are happening in our city uh, continuing going on into the future kingdom carries is for anybody that believes they've been given a gift of generosity tithing and giving back to god is an expectation that everybody has from god uh, uh, to us as his church and it just allows us to make sure that our hearts are with god and we're trusting him with our finances we really believe that there's people in our church that have the above and beyond gift of generosity and for those people they think through investing and how investing can actually further the church's mission here on earth they're kingdom minded when it comes to their investments their return on investment is an internal invest uh, investment when it comes to what they're doing for the kingdom and we want to invite anybody that is intrigued by that idea uh, that looks at their finances potentially a little bit differently and goes you know what i'm i'm really interested in what kingdom carriers could do for the region and world that we live in if that's you, we want to invite you. It's an open invite to our Kingdom Carries event. It's happening over a Zoom call, 11 to 12. We're going to have a special guest. We're not going to go any longer than that. And you can find that link at uh, slatechurch.com slash Kingdom Carriers. The invite is for everybody listening right now. Let's go out and do more things like we've been doing like handing out PPE to the long-term care facilities and also just caring for people in so many different ways in this season. Uh, let's do this thing together. I'm really excited for the message that is to come. I, uh, I, you know, I always look forward to the message. No matter who brings it, uh, we always know that God is gonna speak to us. So I encourage you to lean in, bring out your notebook. We're really excited. Uh, Pastor Luke is about to bring an incredible message. Well, hey church, I'm so excited to be speaking to you today. I really believe that God's got a word on my heart and I really believe it can impact your life. So let's lean in together and hear what God has to say. And to begin this message, we're gonna turn to scripture. So why don't we go ahead and turn in our Bibles to the book of Genesis. We're gonna be reading Genesis 12, verse one to three, and then we're gonna uh, unpack a little bit of what that means, and it sort of sets up the theme for us today. So Genesis 12, verse one to three says this. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The title for my message today is this. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write down this title for my message, the space between the space between. Why don't you turn to somebody you're sitting near and tell them the space between let's pray. We're going to jump into things today. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are, and we thank you for your, for what you're doing in our church. We thank you that we still get to have church like this, even in an online experience. We thank you that 
you are not bound to doing church in any one particular way. And even though our methods have changed over these last couple of months, we're thankful that the mission remains the same. We're thankful that you remain the same and that you are unchanging and that you are good. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through this message. May your name be glorified. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, Listen, we all know that this summer is probably going to look a little bit different than maybe we had planned for it to look. And of course, one of the things that we're missing out on this summer, something that I'm pretty bummed out about, to be honest, is the fact that the Olympics are not going to be happening. They were supposed to happen. I love watching the Summer Olympics. It's so much fun to just have it on during the summer, watch all the track events. I love it. But uh, I read something uh, in this past week, and it reminded me that uh, there is, there has not been, and I don't think there will ever be, an Olympic event that was as strange as what unfolded during the marathon of the 1904 Summer Olympics. Um, I, I mean, honestly, what happened in the space between the starting line and the finishing line of that Olympics is stranger than fiction. I just want to read to you a little bit of what took place uh, between the start and the finish um, of that marathon in the Olympics. This is 1904 Olympics uh, marathon in St. Louis. Uh, this is what happened. The number one finisher drove for most of the race. <laughs> He started the race, he got tired, and he wanted to drop out. And so he got in a car to, to disqualify himself and head back to the stadium. But along the way, he realized that he was near the finish line. And so he got out to claim the glory. The second place finisher was carried across the finish line by his trainers. Uh, they had this bogus pseudoscience theory uh, that his trainers had, and they had been giving him a mixture of brandy, egg whites and rat poison instead of water. Now, when it came out uh, that the number one finisher had driven most of the course, this guy, number two, he was given the gold despite the fact that his trainers helped him to finish. The number three finisher, he was a regular guy. He ran the race, honestly, came in third place. Good for him. The number four finisher was a mailman from Cuba. Now, he had raised money to attend the Olympics uh, by running around his entire country and asking for donations. When he landed in the United States, he squandered all of that money by gambling. Uh, he managed, however, to still be able to get himself to the Olympics, um, but he had no money for athletic gear. And so this guy ran the marathon in dress shoes and dress pants that were cut off at the knee uh, because a fellow racer happened to have a knife at the starting line. In fact, this Cuban mailman likely would have won the race were it not for the fact that he took an hour-long nap on the side of the road after he had eaten rotten apples that he found on an orchard near the course. <laughs> Number nine and 12 finishers were from South Africa. They ran barefoot. South Africa didn't actually have a team there. These were just students who happened to be in town and thought it would be a good idea. The number nine finisher, uh, he, was, he was chased a mile off course by angry dogs. Um, half the participants had never raced. And get this, the Russian delegation arrived a week late because they were still using the Julian calendar until 1918, while effectively the rest of the world had switched to the Gregorian calendar. I mean, this is nuts. <laughs> this is mayhem that was taking place between the start and the finish of that race. But you know, maybe you're watching this and maybe your life doesn't feel um, all that removed from this. Maybe your life feels almost just as haphazard as this marathon. Maybe it feels just a little bit as wild. 
you know, we might not be running a marathon right now, but honestly, this season of coronavirus, it certainly feels like we're in the space between the beginning and the end of a marathon in our world. And I feel like that. But you know, a lot of our lives are actually lived in the space between, aren't they? Um, between the here and now and the then and there. The space between between where we are and where we'd like to be. The space between applying for a job and getting a job. The space between graduating from school and entering the workforce. The space between being single and being married. And by the way, if you're single and you're ready to mingle, why don't you just put that in the chat? You know, I mean, online dating is a thing. Uh, who knows? This might be your opportunity for an incredible romantic meet cute. So uh, at somebody in the comments, if you're single and you're looking for a date, I don't know. Uh, nobody's watching just the whole church. And uh, so you can go ahead and do that. Accountability, it's a real thing, it's important. We got it for you today, you're welcome. Um, listen, I, do, I wanna say that what we do in the space between, it really matters. You know, this is the space between is not a time to be shrugged away, that we think things will be better uh, after we finish. You know, as Brandon preached last week, uh, there's meaning in this moment. We don't get to the finish line if we're not intentional with the space between. And this time that we find ourselves in, this COVID season, even this is a space between kind of season. What are you going to do in the space between? You know, I really think that one of the most difficult journeys to navigate in our lives is actually the space between trusting in ourselves and trusting in God. How we journey, the space between these two sort of opposite ends of the spectrum make all the difference in our lives. In fact, I want you to take a look at this little graphic here, this little continuum uh, that's coming up on the screen right now. I wonder, where would you plot yourself on this continuum? On one side, you've got trust in self. And self-trust is a, a really a, a life that's characterized at the end of the day by anxious worry. It's a life uh, where we rely on ourselves, where we trust in ourselves, where we are the center of our worlds, where we operate in complete autonomy, where we glory in our ability to define our own truth and our own future, but inevitably things don't go the way that we had planned and life starts to crumble because we have no firm foundation because we've been building on the fragile foundation of self. Of course, at the other end of the spectrum, we've got trust in God. This is a life of freedom. This is a life of joy, a life of peace. This is a life marked not by self-ambition, but by holy ambition. This is a life where we have a desire to lay down our own wants, and instead we bring glory to God in all things. This is a life that shines bright, a life that stands strong, a life that helps others. It's a life that's flourishing, a life that makes people turn their heads. It's a life of true influence that makes a lasting mark on the world and it leaves things changed for the better. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life that I want. Where are you today? Do you live more in a life that's defined by trust in yourself or a life that's defined by trust in God? I hope that no matter where you are on that spectrum today, that you long and you want to, and you have a desire to get closer to the side uh, that's trusting in God. The end game here is a radical abandon to the ways of Jesus. You know, the space between these two things is important. See, the space between is the road to things not yet seen. 
we read at the beginning of this message about a man named Abraham. And we see that Abraham, he was on his own spiritual journey and God called him to go from his home and he promised to bless Abraham. But Abraham had to navigate the space between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise. And in fact, we read that at times he relied on his own strength and tried to take things into his own hands and trust in his own abilities instead of relying on God and the promise that God had given him. And we know that it did not go well for him. Abraham wondered how he was going to be the father of many nations, how he was going to have many descendants. He, he was already an old man. He had no children. It wasn't until he surrendered in faith to God that he was able to truly become the father of faith that we know Abraham as today. And I really believe that if we want to live a life that's marked by trusting in God, then there are a few things that we need to experience on the journey through the space between. And I really think that the first checkpoint that we must pass through in the space between as we journey from relying on ourselves, just trusting on ourselves, to actually trusting in God in all things, the first checkpoint that we we come up into is this, revelation. We come to the checkpoint of revelation. Revelation is where we encounter God. We have a revelation of who God is. We realize how good he is. We realize that he is in charge and we're not in charge and we're better off for it. It's in a realization, it's an awakening to the fact that God deserves all the glory in our lives. I'm sure that most of you are familiar with the classical music composer, Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, you might not be able to name any of his music, but I'm sure that if you heard some of his music, uh, you would recognize it. Well, Bach uh, really started his music career as a child, but his professional music career started when he was 17 years old and he got a job as an organ player in the church. Essentially, honestly, essentially he was a worship leader at the church at, at this time. And he had a divine revelation. And he wrote this down and, and he wrote that although he wrote the notes, it was God who made the music. And from his time as a young man, he sought to bring glory to God through composing and playing because he realized he had a revelation that God deserves all the glory because God was the one who gave him the gift to be able to do this in the first place. We see in the space between the beginning and the end of his life, Bach went on a journey. You know, he was fired from his position of worship leader at the church because I think very ironically, um, uh, and hard to imagine today, his music was considered too contemporary for the church at the time. And so he was fired. And so he went out and got a job uh, making music for a, a royal duke. Um, and he, he made music his whole life, but all the while, uh, whether he was making music in the church or making music outside of the church, he knew that he existed to bring glory to God alone. And so Bach signed uh, the bottom of all of his compositions with three simple letters. Those letters were S-D-G. It stands for Soli Deo Gloria, which is a Latin phrase that means glory to God alone. Soli Deo Gloria. You know, Bach had a revelation that God deserves all the glory. And he wanted his life and his music and his art to reflect that. I don't know about you, but I want my, my life to reflect the same thing. In fact, since hearing about this idea of SDG, Soli Deo Gloria, uh, over a year ago, I have signed every one of my sermons that I've written. At the very top, I sign it SDG, Glory to God Alone. And while I put these letters at the top of my sermons, I often have to pause and ask myself, are these three letters stamped at the top of my day? 
Are they at the top of my week? Are they at the top, top of my attitude? Are they at the top of my love for others? And more often than not, I'm confronted with the fact that the answer is really probably no. Uh, you know, we need a revelation of who God is in our lives. And we need to get honest with ourselves because a revelation of who God is also gives us a revelation of who we are. We get a correct order of the creator-created relationship. You know, there's freedom in giving God all the glory. It takes the pressure off ourselves. When we recognize that we don't have to try and uh, pretend to be something that we're not, we don't have to try and earn all the glory. Instead, we give God all the glory. Sometimes this revelation comes through a moment like the prophet Isaiah has in Isaiah 6 verse 1, uh, where he says he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Isaiah has this vision. He saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. But then listen, because in light of this experience, he also has a realization about himself. In the very next verse, after having seen God seated upon the throne, he says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. See, in the light of the greatness of God, he realizes his own shortcomings, his own humanity, his own uncleanness, his own focus on his, himself. Or maybe revelation comes to us the way that it did uh, to Jacob in the Old Testament. Maybe similarly to Jacob, you're running away from the mess that you feel like your life is right now. Maybe you just feel like you've screwed things up. Maybe you've screwed things up relationally. Maybe you've screwed things up financially. Maybe you've screwed things up in your education. Uh, maybe you screwed things up in your family. I don't know what it might be for you. And maybe you're just running away from it all. You're running from the emotional struggles and the, the relational baggage and everything else. I, I don't know what it is. Jacob was doing this and he had a revelation that even in the midst of his suffering and his, in his difficulty, God was with him. Genesis 28, 16, we see Jacob saying, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. You know, if you're feeling alone and you're feeling like God is far and you're feeling like you're a failure, you're feeling like, uh, you know, God is just some distant being. I want you to know today that God is not distant from you. Why not surrender control to him at this moment? Don't let another moment go by where God is near to you, but you don't know it. Instead, ask God to open your eyes to the reality of his presence that is with you right now. He loves you and he cares for you. We know that, again, Abraham had a revelation of God. We read about it earlier. And in the space between the hearing of the promise and the experiencing the promise, God showed Abraham the stars. Uh, we read Genesis 15, verse two to six. It says, the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Abraham was having a revelation here. That's how many descendants you will have. And I love this verse. Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. We read Romans four, verse 18 about Abraham. It says, even I love this. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. I want to encourage you today that even if it feels like there's no reason for hope in your life, keep hoping. I believe that God is going to give you a revelation of himself as you seek him and it can change your life. It leads you away from having to trust in yourself and it leads you towards radical abandon and trust in Jesus Christ.
we got to remember that revelation, it both comforts us, but it also confronts us. It comforts us because there's a sense of awakening to the deeper realities of God. There, there, there's a, a deeper thing that's going on in our lives, but it also confronts our complacency because after we realize the goodness of God, we can't help but be changed. Our life doesn't look the same. And it's now we're living our lives for the better. So the beginning of a journey towards wholeness in Christ, to trusting in Christ, is revelation. But revelation needs to the, leads to the next stage of the space between. And the next stage is renovation. Revelation leads to renovation. I wonder um, if you've ever done any kind of home renovation. And if you have, then I'm sure you know that the best day of any home renovation is something called Demo Day, Right? We can all thank Chip and Joanna Gaines for, uh, you know, that phrase demo day. Demo day is the best. I, I love that. When Victoria and I were living in Sweden, we bought a, an apartment and we were going to renovate it. And so I remember we got into the apartment. It was day one. We got in and we just gutted the kitchen. And it was the best day ever. I remember going in there and just smashing things, pulling cupboards off the wall. And like, I think I, I got a little carried away to tell you the truth. It's a very therapeutic thing to just demolish a kitchen. I can remember uh, like throwing stuff out the second story window, just cleaning it out, getting rid of it, getting out of there. And it felt amazing. And it's something that had to be done in order for us to install a fresh new kitchen into that space. And a renovation of our heart is a similar thing. This renovation stage of the space between is where we bring our behaviors and our attitudes and our desires and our ambitions before Christ and we lay them at his feet. It's here that we get rid of the things in our lives that are inconsistent with a life lived uh, to glorify God. It's this place where we do our best to throw anger out the window, where we take a, uh, we grab a hammer, a hammer and we smash through jealousy in our lives. And this is a place where we, 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 we get rid of sin. And this is where we bring our lives and we place them under the values of God's kingdom. We abandon those kinds of behaviors that run contrary to God's will for us. You know, I love this passage from Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, 25, 26. God is speaking to his people through the prophet Ezekiel about a renovation that would take place in the heart of his people. We, we read, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This passage is describing a renovation of the heart. I believe that God wants to do a similar work in you. A renovation, a restoration, a renovating of your perhaps your heart of stone and turning it to a heart of flesh, open to receive the goodness of Christ. Because here's the thing about renovation. You don't knock something out only to put the exact same thing back in. What's removed is replaced by something better. I really believe that God wants to exchange your despair for hope, your worry for peace. I believe he wants to exchange your anxiety for worship. But there's something else I've learned about renovation. And it's that generally renovation doesn't happen alone. You know, whenever I've renovated anything at all, I've had somebody helping me. And generally it's either been my dad or my father-in-law in most cases. And you know, what's great about them helping me is they come alongside me 
in that journey of renovation and they've gone before. They know what they're doing. They've been in that place. They're able to give wisdom. They're able to give direction. They're able to guide. They're able to instruct. They're able to lead the way in the way that I can't see. And it's somebody who can actually say, hey, things might look worse before they look better. But trust me, they're going to look better. Again, when Victoria and I were renovating our apartment in Sweden, I remember also on day number one, the very first thing that happened is my father-in-law, PJ, Uh, he came in with a sledgehammer and he just started knocking out a door frame and like knocking out a foot of the wall. And I was like, what is, what is happening here? It looks terrible. The floor was covered in, you know, rubble and drywall. It was all smashed and it was all, it it, it was, it, it looked ruined as far as I was concerned. It looked like a mess. But the reason that he could just go in with so much confidence is because he had a vision of what was on the other side of that renovation. And he let me in on it. When it comes to a renovation of the heart, it can be hard to navigate it alone. That's why you got to get yourself around some people who want to cheer you on, who can say, hey, listen, things might look bad now, but believe me, I've been where you are before. It's going to get better. God's got a purpose on the other side of this renovation. The renovation, it can be a messy process. It can be a painful process, but there's something on the other side that you need to step into. A life of trusting Christ above all else. A life of purpose, a life of freedom, a life marked by joy, a, a life marked by holy ambition, where you're able to step into the call that God has on your life. Now, I wonder, where could we find some people, maybe a small group of people uh, that encourage you, that love you, that want to see you succeed in life and that want to help you through this renovation process. I wonder, like, where might you find that? Um, Maybe you know where I'm going with this. If you know where you can find that, why don't you put that in the comments right now? Where are you going to find a small group of people? Maybe you meet, I don't know, like once every two weeks. That would be kind of nice. Maybe you meet up for a little while and you can text each other through the weeks where you're going to have some people that encourage you. Where can you find that? Connect groups, of course. This is why we have connect groups at Slate Church. It's actually, it, it make sure that you're in community with other people who can help you on the journey of life. Get in a connect group. Go on our website. Sign up for a connect group. Find out some more information there. We'd love to have you in a connect group. You know, as we renovate our hearts, as we... As we do this, as God renovates our hearts, we experience a decline in worry and anxiety in our lives, and we experience an increase of joy and peace. It's amazing what happens. You know, the Apostle Paul writes about this to the church in Philippi. Philippians 4, Paul writes that we should rejoice always and we should be anxious about nothing. And honestly, sometimes I read this and I'm like kind of ticked off at Paul, to be honest. Like, Paul, why did you have to write that? Why did you have to write, we, we should rejoice always and be anxious about nothing? Why didn't you just write, we should rejoice and we shouldn't be anxious? Why did you have to say rejoice always and be anxious about nothing? I really would have preferred, the, the trusting in self side of me really would have preferred if I could just use my own discernment for the moments in my life where I can be worried and where I don't need to rejoice. If I can just define my own worry-worthy moments in my life where I can just, you know, sort of languish in my worry. But Paul doesn't say that. In fact, we also find Paul saying in Philippians 4, 11 to 12, that he has learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, if you're anything like me, again, 
you might read this and it's easy to think, well, yeah, that's easy to say, Paul, you're probably writing this, you, you know, you're in the Mediterranean, you're on the coast of Italy, you're like at a uh, an ancient cafe, uh, having a, an espresso and a San, San Pellegrino, right? Wrong. You know, it's amazing when we understand that Paul wrote rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, he was sitting in a Roman dungeon, not knowing whether or not he would emerge alive. See, Paul here is not just uh, presenting an idea or a theory of how to live a life. Paul is an example of a truth that he has learned through years of faithful discipleship to Christ. Paul has experienced a renovation of his heart, and it allows him to rejoice always, to trust God in all things, to be content in all circumstances, whether in need or whether in abundance. Paul is able to trust in God because he understands that God is above it all. When we try to control everything on our own, we cannot become who God wants us to be. We, be, we put ourselves in a prison of needing to control our own existence. When we live this way, we are, in the words of Robert Mulholland, uh, we're closed within the fragile shell of our own limited order and control. We're plagued with stress, anxiety, fear, doubt, despair, and depression. But there's an alternative way of living. In fact, I, I want to give you right now the answer. How, here's how to be content in any and every situation. Are you ready for it? If you're ready for it, say, I'm ready for it. You're ready for it. I heard you. Good job. Here's how you be content in any situation. Ready? Rejoice always. Rejoice always. It's that simple. In the good, in the bad, in the space between, in the confusion, in the uncertain, the unknown, rejoice. Rejoice always. Praise God. Offer yourself to Him. And when this kind of trust characterizes our life with God, then the peace of God that transcends understanding guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace renovates our hearts and our minds out with the old destructive patterns of thinking and in with a new life of freedom. Again, in the words of Mulholland, he says, the peace of God is not a static concept. It is an active reality. And we get to participate in the active reality of the peace of God on a moment by moment basis as we surrender control of our lives and we allow God to renovate our hearts from the inside out. And here's one of the greatest things. Leads us into our very last point today. You know, as we get a revelation of who God is and as we have a renovation of our heart, it leads to transformation of our lives. This is the last checkpoint of our journey through the space between of trust in self and trusting in God. Transformation. We are transformed into the people that God calls us to be in this world. This transformation, it allows us to be agents of God's transforming grace in a world full of brokenness and full of hurt. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul is talking here about transformation, about being transformed into the image of Christ. At this stage in the process, we no longer see God as being out there, as being somewhere over the rainbow, as being distant. You know, when God is out there and when we view him as being out there, that means that, you know, we can just be independent in our lives. And 
We can maintain our independence, but when we know that God is here with us, we remember that he is our source and he is our strength. And we remember that we are transformed to the image of Christ, not for the sake of ourselves, not for the sake of our own happiness, but we're transformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. We become empowered by God for holy living in this world. This empowerment, this union with God, it fills us with the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5. We live lives that are characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't come by our own effort. We can't just wake up and decide, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, force this to happen. You know, you can't squeeze a lemon right, right? That's not the way that this works. We can't do it in our own strength. But the fruit, living a life that is characterized by these things, it comes to us as we surrender ourselves. We deny ourselves to God. Transformation changes everything. Suddenly, we don't just view the space between as something to be overcome, but we see it as a place where God can be glorified. Now, in every waiting season, in every space between, in every uncertain season, we recognize that we are on mission to love God and love others. It's impossible to be transformed by God and not grow in increased social concern. Uh, you know, we don't love and care for others out of obligation, but we do it out of a deep sense of God's love that has been poured into our hearts for other people. God, and listen to this, okay, good works are the hallmark of a transformed life. Uh, it's the response of love. Transformation means a heart that is burning with love for God and living our lives in this world out of that love and loving others from the overflow of that. In our transformed life, we remain caught up in joy and adoration and praise and a deep peace that passes all understanding. Church, I really believe that as we experience this transformation, as we journey through the space between, the space between trusting in ourselves and our own self-control and trusting in God, radical, reckless, abandoned to the goodness of Jesus Christ. I really believe that as we get a revelation of who God is, as we experience renovation that leads to transformation, not only will our lives be transformed, but I believe that the lives of people around us will be transformed, that we will see our world transformed, that we will see families transformed, that we will see uh, systems of injustice transformed, that we will see structures of oppression transformed in our world, that we will see the transformation of even the hardest hearts and the most ridiculous systems and structures and all of these different things. Let's not waste the space between. This season that we're in right now, let's lean in to revelation. Let's lean in to renovation. Let's lean into transformation. Let's believe for it. Let's seek it. Let's uh, pray for it. Let's, uh, let's believe God for it together. Let's move from trusting in ourselves to radical abandon to the ways of Jesus. Let us as a church, as individuals, live lives that are marked by this radical abandon in all things to the creator of all things. Let's seek to glorify God above all else in our lives. Soli Deo Gloria. Amen. Hey, just before I close, I want to pray for you. So if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you're sitting, First group of people that I want to pray for is anybody, and maybe you've never made a decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. 
You know, maybe you're here and you're watching this today and, you know, really you're relying on yourself far too much. And, you know, you're trying to be your own savior and it's not working. And you're living a life that's anxious and you're living a life that is full of worry and all of these other things. And you want to make a decision right now to live a life that trusts in Jesus. You want to accept the free gift of salvation that Jesus is offering to you. You don't have to work to earn it. You don't have to do anything. You just have to accept this free gift. It will change everything for the better in your life. God has a purpose for you. He's got a plan for your life. Regardless of what your past might look like, God's grace can cover all of it. He loves you. He's got a, a great plan for you. And so with every head bowed and with every eye closed, very simply, I'm just going to count to three. When I get to three, if that's you and you want to make that decision, and you, you're just saying yes to God today. I'm just going to ask you in the, in the chat section, there's a, an option where you can say raise hand. I'm just going to ask you to click that and it's going to be anonymous. It's not going to be a bunch of people that see your name pop up or anything like that. But just this act of obedience is an act of saying, I am going to move from living a life that is just built around me. And I'm going to click this button and I'm going to, in this moment, believe and accept in Jesus Christ that he has got a plan for my life. That's you. When I get to three, just click that button. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he's got a plan for your life. Three, if you want to accept that right now, why don't you just go ahead and click that button? Amen. Amen. Listen, if you're making that decision today, if you're saying yes to God today, I just want to, I just want to lead you in a prayer right now. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for each person right now making a decision to follow you. The best decision that they could ever make. Father, I just pray that as they make this decision, that they would just glorify you with their lives. Father, would they live a life marked by freedom and peace and joy? May they live a life of purpose, Jesus. May they live a life where they know that you are good and that you are in control. In your mighty name, I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, that's the best decision that you could ever make. In just a moment, Pastor Brandon is gonna come back and he's going to give you some more info as to how you can take your next step. But just as I close, I do want to pray for one more group of people. So again, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for anybody here right now. And, you know, if you were being honest, you're having difficulty navigating the space between right now. You're trying, even in this, even the space between this coronavirus season, you're having such a difficult time navigating it. And you would say that your life right now is marked a lot more by anxiety. It's marked by fear. It's marked by sleepless nights. It's marked by worry for what will be. It's marked by uncertainty. You know, I really believe that right now that God wants to just take that from you and he wants to instill in you a deep sense of peace, a deep sense of certainty, a deep sense of, uh, of, um, and just his presence in your life above all of this. And so if you're here and you're, you're feeling that way, you're having a tough time navigating the space between and you just wanna have a revelation, you know you need a renovation, you want transformation in your life, would you just wherever you are, stretch out a hand towards the screen that you're watching this on, I wanna pray for you. Jesus, you see every hand that is outstretched. Father, I just pray in their life right now that their life would be one marked by joy in this season. 
Jesus, that this space between would not be a time marked by uncertainty or all of these other things, these um, emotional difficulties and mental health struggles and anxiety and depression and all the rest of it. May they live a life right now that is marked by your joy and your freedom. Father, I pray for revelation for people right now. I pray, Jesus, that, they, that you would reveal yourself to them in a new way. I pray for renovation, Jesus, that they would bring all of these things before your feet in this moment and that you would take them and replace it with something new. Jesus, and I, I pray right now for transformation. Father, that they would have transformed lives, lives that, are, that look different from the world around them. And Jesus, that they would remember that their lives are transformed, not for the sake of themselves, but formed into your likeness for the sake of others. We thank you for it. We believe for it. We love you, Jesus. To you be all the glory. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you, church. We'll see you later. Thank you, Pastor Luke, for that incredible message. Uh, we hope that you're encouraged by that. And for everybody that just made a decision to follow Jesus, the most important thing you could do right now is to make sure you tell somebody about it, but also to go onto our website, uh, slatechurch.com, and fill out our online connect card. Let us know that you made that decision today so we can follow up with you and make sure that you have all the resources you need on this new journey of faith. We won't hound you, we won't spam you, we won't do any of that kind of stuff. Our heart really is just to make sure that you are set up properly with everything that you need on this new journey of faith. In fact, for everybody here, if you're wondering how you can stay connected with us at Slate Church, the best way to do that is to go to our website, uh, slatechurch.com, and follow us, follow us on social media, social media at Slate Church. We would love to make sure that you have, uh, you're following up with us. And honestly, one of the really great ways to utilize this even better is to turn on notifications when it comes to Facebook and Instagram and YouTube so that you get the latest content from us as it comes up and you're not discovering it way down the line. We're actually putting in a lot of content in this season that we really believe is gonna bless you. So make sure you're doing that. We are really uh, thankful that you would join us uh, here uh, this Sunday. Uh, we're so thankful that uh, maybe you're watching on demand that you would catch up with us and uh, stay, stay up with us and everything that's happening. God is doing some really incredible things through our church in this season. In just a second, uh, Slate Church Kids is gonna come up with some directions for parents. Uh, but all I'd like to say is until next time, hopefully we can catch you on social media and all the rest and make sure that you find yourself in a connect group because community is so important during this season. We love you, church. Hey, Kenzie, how's it going? Good. Hi, Slate Kids. So Slate Kids is now. Slate Kids is now.